Calling all detectives. When two partners wanted to take out a big insurance policy, what somebody had in mind was a brand new kind of crime. That is the situation on this page for my casebook. The casebook of Jerry Browning, private detective. A private detective like me, Jerry Browning, knows that there are many kinds of crimes not named in the book. I entered the little cubicle that served as an office for John Cooley, head of the investigations department for Consolidated Insurance. Cooley turned his pale, cold eyes on me. Browning, ever hear of Flood and Saucer, wholesale grocers? No, sir, I don't know the company. Cooley frowned, tapped a policy application on his desk with a bony forefinger. Neither have I, so far as I am aware. This is a business policy application, half a million on the life of each of the two partners, payable to the other in the event of the death of either. That's a fairly common form of policy, isn't it, Mr. Cooley? The little man nodded. Yes. Browning, I don't believe in hunches. Give me facts every time. In this case, I have no reason to recommend that the policy be refused. Yet I have a strong feeling that it should not be accepted. You think there's something funny going on? I don't think anything. I hire you to get me facts, Browning. Go get them. Uh, yes, sir. What kind of facts? Cooley glared at me. When does our contract with you expire, Browning? Never mind, don't answer. Find out how either Flood or Saucer intended to defraud us of half a million dollars. And remember, don't hurt anybody's feelings. When two partners applied for a mutual benefit million-dollar policy, I was hired to find out whether there was any funny business going on. The first thing I did was take a look at the premises of Flood and Saucer Wholesale Grocers. They had a big office and warehouse on Crosley Square, half a dozen big trucks loading at the platform, employees scurrying all over the place. From where I sat, it looked like a big business, one that warranted insuring the lives of its owners for a million dollars. I didn't try to talk with any of Flood and Saucer's employees. Instead, went to their customers. At the office of the Northern Food Stores, a buyer told me, Flood and Saucer, an excellent firm. We've traded with them almost ten years. Mr. Hal Saucer is a smart man, bold, resourceful, imaginative. Necessary qualities in this business... At the office of my friend Milton Weiss, the accountant, I got a slightly different picture. Jerry, Flood and Saucer have been buying heavily in the various produce markets in anticipation of a general price rise, which most people believe is coming. I shrugged. Is that bad, Milt? No, if Saucer is right. However, most such companies are satisfied with normal profit and don't risk speculating in commodities, since the price of being wrong is going broke. Right now, Flood and Saucer are overextended. Their position is not liquid. I nodded. Mild, would you say that at a time like this, the partners are justified in paying the premium on a million-dollar insurance policy? The accountant smiled. If I were their auditor, I would advise against it for the time being. This time I did go to Flood and Saucer's office. But when I got there, I found two badly frightened men. Bob Flood, the elder partner, was huddled in an easy chair... And Hal Saucer was sitting at his desk and staring out the window. When I told them who I was, Saucer just shook his head. No need to ask anything, Mr. Browning. 
My partner has been turned down by your insurance doctor. We got another doctor in here immediately, and we've learned that Mr. Flood has a dangerous heart condition. The older man raised his head. Me? Bob Flood? Never been sick a day in my life. Never had a doctor. Get up at five in the morning, work till eight, nine at night. Now they tell me I may drop dead. Well, there, there isn't much you can say in a situation like that. I mumbled some kind of an apology, reported back to John Cooley. Flood and saucer overextended. I knew there was something wrong. You don't know the half of it, Mr. Cooley. I told him what I'd learned about Bob Flood being dangerously sick. Cooley stared at me. Browning, I get up at five in the morning, too. And I frequently work until midnight. What is this nonsense about hot conditions? Don't get mad, Mr. Cooley. You should be happy that you're relieved of the necessity for rejecting the policy. Cooley's face turned a dull purple. Browning, I sent you up for facts. You come back with rumors, hearsay, and second-hand reported conversations. Once more, get me facts. And until you do, don't bother to return. I got out of there fast. What else can you do when a man begins to wonder whether maybe he's got hard trouble himself? I got hold of the insurance doctor. Mr. Browning, floods heartbeat, fast, erratic, skin flushed, breath short, pulse jumpy. Insure him for half a million dollars? Not on my responsibility. Okay, okay, so you turned him down. All I want to know is, does he have heart trouble or doesn't he? Mr. Flood is not my patient. Why not consult his own doctor? Doc, I'll do just that. Back at Flood and Saucer, I was told that Mr. Bob Flood was away, couldn't be reached. And when I talked to Hal Saucer... I told you, Mr. Browning, that my partner never had a doctor. Consequently, I called in my own doctor who made the diagnosis. I see. Well, my company would like to re-examine Mr. Flood. We think a mistake may have been made. Under no circumstances. I'm sorry we ever thought of this policy. As a result of it, my partner's resigning from active participation in the company, and I find myself without his help and advice at a most critical time. I nodded with sympathy. That's tough, Mr. Saucer. And by the way, what's your doctor's name? The, uh, the one who made the diagnosis? Saucer turned pale. I refuse to answer further questions. Get out! I grinned at him. Mr. Saucer, if a partner has to sell out at a time when the company is in a speculative position, I bet he'd sell awfully cheap. You're a smart guy. Bold, resourceful, imaginative. That's what they say about you. You'd be bold enough to put a few drops of a strong stimulant in a man's drinking water, change his heart and pulse rate for a little while. You're resourceful enough to get a fake doctor to come in here and diagnose heart trouble after a real doctor gives your partner a policy turndown. Now, the question is, are you imaginative enough to visualize what will happen to you when we charge you with trying to frighten a man to death in order to steal his business? Saucer glared at me. You wouldn't dare do that. I shrugged. Maybe I wouldn't. But you don't know John Cooley. Though you will very soon. We found Bob Flood just as he was leaving on a plane for Florida. Had him examined by three groups of specialists in relays. Pronounced as healthy as an ox. Well, Saucer got two years under an old statute covering crimes of mental torture. Like I said, a smart criminal may think he's invented a new kind of crime. But he forgets there have been laws almost as long as crimes. And there's always a punishment for every crime. <laughs> 